Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching, The Power of His Works. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We're going to take a break from our series this morning on the tools of prayer for America. We'll get back to that next week or the week after. This morning, I felt led of the Lord to share on a topic that I've never explored before, at least not from this angle, and I call it the power of His works. The power of His works. That's actually a phrase that I came across when I was reading the Psalms in Psalm 111, verse 6. Now, I have a mathematical formula that I use to keep me in the Psalms throughout the month that has me reading five Psalms a day and has me going through all 150 Psalms in a month. It's just part of my daily reading routine. And this particular day, about four days ago, I was supposed to read Psalm 111 to kick it off. So I'm reading Psalm 111. I go all the way through to verse 6, and I just got stuck on verse 6. It just sort of drew me in and captivated me, and I tried to push past and read the rest of the psalm and go on to Psalm 112, but I kept circling back and circling back to to Psalm 111, verse 6. Hence, my lightning fast mind deduced that the Holy Spirit might be trying to show me some things about this verse. So I felt strongly impressed to study it to meditate on it, and to share with you the revelation that I received. Amen? So let's begin this morning by reading Psalm 111, verse 6, in a couple of different translations, where that phrase, the power of His works, appears. Psalm 111, verse 6, in the New King James Version. If you would turn there in your Bibles or in your devices, Psalm 111, verse 6. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. That's so good. I got to read it again. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. So I didn't want to miss any of the nuances or the actual meaning of the actual Hebrew words there. So I decided to go right to Young's literal translation and see how that particular version stated it. So Young's literal translation of Psalm 111.6 goes like this. The power of his works he has declared to his people to give to them the inheritance of nations. Oh, I got to read it again. The power of his works he has declared to his people to give them the inheritance of nations. So right off the bat, we see a connection between the power of his works and the heritage of the heathen or the inheritance of nations. Does everybody see that? So what does the power of his works really mean? Well, for you physics buffs, I'll use the illustration of potential energy and kinetic energy. If you have a boulder on top of a hill, 
It has a tremendous amount of potential energy by virtue of its height from the ground below. But the minute you push that boulder off the top of this hill, it converts that potential energy into kinetic energy as it picks up velocity and rolls down the hill. So the way I see it, the power of God is resident in the person of God Almighty, but will not manifest in the works of God until it is released. The moment the power of God is released, it produces or results in the works of God, which in turn leads to a heritage or an inheritance of nations. Are you following me so far? So let's take a look at an Old Testament example, which we find in Psalm 136, where you're going to see the power of God and the works of God producing an inheritance of nations. Amen. It's the story of the people of God, the Israelite nation, as they came out of Egypt and God took them into the promised land. So we're going to read Psalm 136, verse 10 through verse 22. In the New King James Version. Psalm 136, verse 10 through verse 22. In the New King James Version. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endures forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm. For his mercy endures forever. Anytime you see strong hand, outstretched arm, or anything like that, it is a metaphor for the power of God. You see, he brought them out with the power of God manifesting in the works of God, which we're reading here in this psalm. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his mercy endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his mercy endures forever. And slew famous kings, for his mercy endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his mercy endures forever. And listen to this. And gave their land as a heritage, for his mercy endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his mercy endures forever. Amen. So you have the power of God manifesting in the works of God which takes a nation into an inheritance that belongs to them. Amen. Now, this is kind of a side issue, but one of the things I want you to see in this passage is that the mercy of God was poured out on the people of God, but the judgment of God was poured out on the enemies of God. Amen. And oftentimes you will see mercy and judgment working together like that. Mercy for one group of people will be judgment for another group of people. Amen? And all of this was accomplished when the power of God was released through the works of God for the benefit of the people of God. 
And the mighty works of God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, all three million of them, split the Red Sea, led them through the wilderness, conquered great kings, and brought them into the land that God had promised unto them, brought them into the heritage of the heathen. I want you to know that He didn't just bring them out. He brought them out so He could bring them in. Amen. To the land that He had promised them. And I want you to see that this pattern of Old Testament types is played out in New Testament, New Covenant realities. This is where we live. 1 Peter 2.9, New King James Version. 1 Peter 2.9 in the New King James Version. This is talking about you if you're a believer. This is talking about the church. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Amen. It gets better. Colossians 1.13 in the King James Version. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. Amen. I use the King James Version there because it uses the word translate and it has more of a Star Trek feel to it. Amen. He beamed us out of the kingdom of darkness And beamed us into the kingdom of His dear Son, Jesus. Amen. Romans 1.16. I'll be reading in the NIV version. Romans 1.16. It's going to take me a while to unpack this and make it germane to the topic. But I promise I will. Romans 1.16. Paul says... For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. Let me stop right there. He doesn't say that the power is an attribute of the gospel. He doesn't say that the power is just a characteristic of the gospel. He says the power of God is the gospel. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. That brings salvation to everyone who believes, first Jew, then the Gentile. Now the word translated here as salvation is the Greek word soteria. You've heard me talk about it many times. And it means salvation, healing, deliverance, and wholeness in every respect of the word. Our salvation was a complete salvation affecting our spirit, soul, and our body. Amen. He didn't leave anything out. So I submit to you this morning that the the gospel of Jesus Christ contains inherent power. And when the gospel is preached and when it is believed, that power is released, resulting in works of salvation, healing, deliverance, and wholeness in the hearts and the bodies of the hearers. Isn't that right? So these last three scriptures that we just read from the New Testament reflect what we learned already in Psalm 111, verse 6. You see, the whole purpose of the power of His works 
is to give the people of God the inheritance of the nations. Let me read it to you again, lest you miss it. Psalm 111.6 in the Young's literal translation. The power of his works he has declared to his people to give them the inheritance of nations. Only now, because of what Jesus did, we interpret this scripture to reflect new covenant realities. Instead of taking the lands of the wicked and unbelieving nations and making them our inheritance through military conquest, as the Israelites did, we spiritually conquer the nations through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. And then their salvation becomes a part of our inheritance as the people of God. Are you getting this? The power of God through the works of God results in an inheritance that includes salvation, healing, deliverance, and wholeness. That inheritance brought us out of the kingdom of darkness and placed us into the kingdom of His dear Son, Jesus. And it is our duty to take that message to the nations and believe that they will also be included in that inheritance. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Psalm chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. Psalm chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. In the New King James Version. A little bit of background here. This is a story of a coronation. Of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If you read the first verses of this psalm, it talks about the rage of those who would try to come against the Lord and His anointed. But as you read through, there's nothing they can do because God is going to put Jesus on the throne and He, in fact, already has. It says here, Psalm chapter 2, verse 6 through 8, Yet have I set my King upon my holy hill of Zion. It doesn't matter that you came against Him and tried to stop Him. He's been risen from the dead and now He's King of kings and Lord of lords. I will declare the decree. This is God. The Lord has said to me, You are my Son. Today I have begotten you. Now, that's a reference to the resurrection. You can find those exact words in Acts chapter 13, verse 33. Amen. He goes on to say, ask of me. He's talking to his son now. This is the father talking to his son who is just crowned as king. And he says, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. I'm going to read it again. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Stay with me. Romans 8.17 says that if you're a child of God, if you're born again, then you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That means that if nations have been given to Jesus as an inheritance, then the nations have been given to us as an inheritance. And we need to start seeing it that way. And we need to start believing it that way. Why? 
because we've got a world to save. Amen. There's a lot of work to do before God wraps this thing up. I know a lot of people are preaching Jesus is coming soon. I believe he's coming soon too, but soon is a relative term. 2,000 years ago, he said, behold, I come quickly. That should give you a clue as to his reference concerning time. There's a lot of work to do and we need to get after it. Amen. Here's my axiom for handling the coming of Jesus Christ in the proper way. You probably heard this before. You should live your life like Jesus is coming at any moment. But you should plan your life like he's not coming back for a hundred years. That way, when he comes for you, he will find you running your race. Amen. Not just hanging out in the cellar waiting for the great withdrawal, you know. The great rescue. The rapture's coming before Antichrist can find me. Amen. Sorry. I digress. I'm on my soapbox. So there's a lot of work to do before God wraps this thing up. Listen, as long as it's the church age, we need to be getting people saved, healed, delivered, and made whole. Amen. All over the world. That means it's our duty to take the power of His works with us everywhere we go. The power that saves, the power that heals, the power that delivers, and the power that makes whole. Whether you're called to the nations of the world or whether you're called to your world, your community, or your circle of influence, by faith, we need to receive the inheritance of the nations that belongs to God, that belongs to Jesus, that belongs to us. Amen. Let me wrap this up by sharing two more scriptures from the lips of Jesus himself. That tie the works of God and the power of God to the inheritance of nations. John 14, 12. New King James Version. John 14, 12. Very familiar passage of scripture. Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So here we see that Jesus tells his disciples that believers would do greater works than he did. Mind you, Jesus raised three people from the dead, made the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the dumb to speak, and he made the maimed to be whole. That means people who were missing body parts had those body parts restored. So that's a pretty tall order if that's what he did, and he said we would do greater works than he did. Amen. But I'm up to the task, amen. I've seen body parts restored. I've seen blind eyes open. I prayed for a deaf woman who was healed instantly. I've seen these things, but not nearly as much as I want to see them. Amen. So a lot of people are familiar, as I said, with this scripture, and it stirs many of us to do greater works than Jesus did to achieve greater impact for the gospel. Isn't that right? 
that the purpose of signs, wonders, and miracles to draw people to God? But there's one part of the verse that gets left out most of the time. And it's really crucial to understanding what Jesus was saying here. Jesus says we would do greater works than he did because he was going to the Father. Now, whether you realize it or not, there's a lot implied in that statement. But just follow my logic here. Sometimes when you read the Bible, you need to read between the lines with the help of the Holy Ghost. Most scholars believe that Jesus never traveled more than 200 miles from his hometown in the three and a half years of his ministry. And in all that time, he could only be in one place at one time due to the limitations of the human body that he had chosen to inhabit. Amen? He could only minister to a number of people at one time, a set number of people at one time. Although he had some pretty huge crowds, he still was limited in his ability to touch the world. But he knew that when he got back to the Father, he would send the promise of the Spirit, the power of God to the earth through the Holy Spirit so that born-again, Spirit-filled believers would reproduce his ministry all over the world. Thus, Jesus can be everywhere at once. Every nation has a remnant of believers that are performing signs, wonders, and miracles. All over the world, we've got millions of little Jesus people doing the works of Jesus. Amen. Some of them are out there doing greater works. I know an Indian man. His name is James. We met him back in the 90s at a minister's conference. And this is... This is 25-year-old information. At that time, he had, he had risen 25 people from the dead in the nation of, of India. He was overseeing a thousand churches. Amen. No telling what his tally is now, 25 years later. He wasn't an old guy when we met him. He was about our age, right? He was young. He was in his 30s 25 years ago. So he's probably still going strong. Amen. Hallelujah. So listen to what Jesus said to his followers right after or right before he went back to the Father for the last time. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. New King James Version. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Amen. Here we see that Jesus tells his followers that they would be given the power to do the greater works that he told them about before. And that power and those works would make them powerful witnesses as they took the gospel of Jesus Christ to their city, to their region, to their nation, and to the nations of the world, as he put it, to the end of the earth. So that they would realize the promise of Psalm 2.8, which we just read a moment before. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. Amen. So I want to finish with a testimony that's very special to me about a miracle that I was a part of back when I was a flight instructor at Naval Air Station Corpus Christi. Trisha and I were stationed there 
at the time we had our two young daughters, Marcy and Alicia. Stephanie hadn't been born yet. And I was an instructor in the familiarization phase of flight training. They called it FAM for short. I was a FAM instructor. And my job was to take a student from his first flight in a military aircraft to solo. I would get him for 12 flights, and then he'd have a 13th flight, which was his check ride. And if he passed that check ride, he would solo and go on with his training. So I had a student that was very bright. He was very gifted. He could really fly that airplane. But he had a problem with motion sickness. And inevitably, we would crank the airplane, and it was a tandem seat uh, T-34. I was in the back as the instructor. I had my own set of controls in case. He was in the front seat. And inevitably, when we would climb and do our initial climb to altitude, which included visual clearing turns, it's just part of being a safe aircraft operating in the sky. Every time we would start rolling into those clearing turns, he would say, sir, you've got it. And I would take control of the airplane, and I would see him reaching for his sick bags, and he would take his mask off, and then he would just hurl and usually fit, you know, filled up about two or three bags before he was done. And unfortunately for him, he was doing this every flight for the first seven flights in his training program. And the regulations were such that we were duty-bound to report a student that was still getting sick after seven flights to the flight surgeon. Because 99% of the time when they went to the flight surgeon, they determined they just weren't physiologically capable to be a pilot, and they washed them out of the program. And my heart grieved for this guy. I said, I do not want this guy to fail. He was a young man of color, and back in those days, there weren't that many young men of color going through the military flight program. So I was rooting for him. He was a fine pilot. There was no reason he couldn't go through the program if he could just get over being sick. So after that seventh flight, I was kind of dejected. And we came back. We landed. We uh, bedded down the aircraft pulled out our gear, and we went to the debrief room. I put my gear on the floor. I said, I'm going to the bathroom. I'll be right back, and we'll debrief. I really didn't need to go to the bathroom. I needed to go pray. So I went into the bathroom, and I prayed. I said, Lord, this kid would make a great pilot, and I don't want to be the one that has to report him to the flight surgeon and wash him out of the program. So I'm asking you, I'm going to pray for him, and I'm going to trust that you will heal whatever it is in his body that's causing him to get sick. And the Lord said, yes, sir, absolutely, I want you to do that. I felt a strong affirmation in the spirit. Well, I went back to the debrief room. He was sitting there already. He was dejected because he knew about the rule, too. I didn't bring it up. I just simply said, John, and I don't remember that that, that was his name, but I don't remember his name, so he'll be John today. I said, John... I have to tell you, I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe if I lay my hands on you today, you'll never be sick again in your life, not in an airplane. He said, well, sir, I don't believe in God. I don't believe there is such a thing as a God. 
So now I'm like arguing with the Lord. I thought you told me to pray for this guy. He says he doesn't believe God. He doesn't believe in God. What am I supposed to do? And I heard the Lord as clear as day. Pray for him anyway. So I said to him, I said, John, would it be all right with respect to your views if I prayed for you anyway? He said, I'm up for anything. I want to complete this program. I want to be a pilot. So I laid my hand on his shoulder and I just said, in the name of Jesus, you'll never get sick another day. I speak healing over you right now in Jesus name. And then we debriefed. And he left and I left, and the next day he came for FAM 8. He flew the whole flight, never got sick. FAM 9, never got sick. FAM 10, never got sick. 11 and 12, never got sick. Passed his 13 check, soloed, and went on with the program and got his wings. All because I was willing to take the power of God and manifest it in such a way that the works of God produced a miracle of healing in his body, even though he didn't believe in God. Guess what else happened? John started going to church. He went to one of the Baptist churches in town, and I happen to know if he went to that Baptist church, he got born again. <laughs> you know how Baptists are about that, you know. They might not, they might not, they may be not as progressive as we are, but they certainly do preach that people need to be born again. Amen. It's hard to escape it in the Baptist church. Last I heard, he graduated and he went to the West Coast and he was flying helicopters in love of life. Amen. Amen. Isn't that a great story? Listen, the power of his works are given to the people of God. So that we might receive the inheritance of the nations that belongs to us. And not for their destruction, but for their salvation, their healing, their deliverance, and their wholeness. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So of all the healing testimonies I've been a part of, even though, as I told you before, I've seen tremendous miracles, this one is near and dear to my heart because it got the guy through pilot training. And even when we had our solo debrief, and that's a little ceremony where you gather, where you gather all the students that have soloed recently and all their instructors, and you have a little ceremony, and you roast one another, the, the the instructor says something funny about the student, and then the student comes up and says something funny about the instructor, and everybody has a great time. Well, when he got up to talk about me, he got real serious. He put his hand up. He says, I just want everyone here to know. This is a, probably about 50 people in the officer's club at Naval Air Station Corpus Christi, Navy, Coast Guard, Marine pilots. All of us are there. And he said, I want you to know that Captain Forrest prayed for me when I was getting sick on every flight and I got healed and I was able to get through my solo amen and they started hollering at me Oral Roberts Oral Roberts I said okay guys I take that as a badge of honor anyway praise the Lord hallelujah 
So what's the takeaway from the revelation that we hopefully just received? Well, we as the people of God need to be bold to take the power of his works to our city, our region, our state, our nation, and to the nations of the world so that we might receive that great inheritance that is set aside for us, that is the salvation of the nations. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's message, The Power of His Works. If you were blessed by this message and would like to donate to our ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at gofaithlife.com. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.